Hey guys, welcome back to Merlison, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss BBC's Merlin, the show, the characters, the episodes, and we have another ship episode today, and today we're discussing Arthur and Gwen, or Arwen. Uh, I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Mumotastic. And today we have uh, two guests with us, which is super exciting, so there's going to be a lot of talking over each other today, which is going to be awesome, and an interviewee as well that couldn't be with us today, but uh, guesting we have Geeky Zelda, say hi. Hello. And May. Hi. Who are joining us from different time zones, so this took a lot of (laughs) coordination, (laughs) but it's going to be a lot of fun, so uh, we're really, really excited to have them on with us. Yeah, big shout out to... Geeky and May, who are up in the middle of the night to record this with us. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's like, just, oh, I just find that kind of thing so cool because, like, you know, I got up like super early and they're up super late and it's like, ah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it all works together. Yeah, yeah. like we said, like we said earlier, forget uniting Albion. Merlin is uniting the world. There you go. Amazing. So, um, and our interviewee who wrote in answers to our interview questions is Ella underscore Rose eighty eight on Life Journal, who answered some questions for us, and I'll be reading them out for every part of the po- uh, podcast, and then we'll make the entire interview available on our website for you to read up on it. Indeed. So, before we get into the episode proper, let's quickly do some news. The Merlin Visual Novel Project has put out their February information update to show what progress has been made. The different plotlines are still being developed, but should be done by the end of March, and then the creators of the fandom will be called to arms to write and art for this project. If you want to be part of creating a Merlin-themed computer game, check it out! The Merlin Art Fest has now posted the first result of the first round. There are still some teams who haven't finished yet, but the Artfest has already announced that there will be a second round coming soon, and that it will be slightly different than the first. Do check them out on Tumblr to learn more and to see what results the first round wielded. Then there is an initiative trying to bring Merlin back. They've posted a video to YouTube asking Merlin fans to participate in a massive fan project. For more details, check out the blog Missing Merlin on Tumblr. The Merlin Olympics are mostly over, except for Amnesty Week, which is still running until the 5th of March, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out, so you still technically have time to post your contribution to the Merlin Olympics Fest. In other news, real Merlin has begun posting. Every other day should see a new movie-inspired work posted to the real BBC Merlin Life Journal community. And lastly... Merlin Memory Month has begun. There's still plenty of time for you to create something if you want to participate. The complete list of prompts is available on Tumblr. And that has been it for news. Lovely. So should we get into some talkbacks from the previous episode? So who have we got first? So the first one we have is, again, from our lovely listener, Woodland Goddess, who keeps working their way through our episodes while we keep working our way through their comments. The first one today is on our seventh episode, which was an episode review of Mark of Nimue. Uh, Rox had a, a comment to something 
woodland goddess set. Oh yeah, I just found it. Yeah, I just found it hilarious the way that she kind of um, worded it. Um, she uh, she has a well. I mean, from 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 kind of what we've seen, she has a bit of a not like a vendetta, but like an issue with the way that Gaius treats Merlin in terms of his education. Which Momo, you have the same hashtag <laughs> issue. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and the actual quote that she uses in the in the comment is. Gaius failed him in this episode as he has failed him in countless episodes. And I just wrote down the savagery is real. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's just so, yeah, the burn was crazy. So that was my, that yeah. was my thing. But yeah, Momo, you have a lot more to say about Gaius. So go ahead. Yeah. Although not, not today. I'll, I'm saving it up for later. <laughs> ah, there you go. Good idea. So, yeah, no, something else um, Wooden Goddess said in their comment was that, uh, I'm just going to quote it. Truthfully, I just want Merlin and Morgana to marry, and Arthur and Gwen to marry, and for Arthur and Morgana to share each other's spouses while the four of them unite Albion and rule together. And this reminded me, actually, of a uh, pot fake I once listened to in which there is, like, an, a four-way marriage between the four, and I'm going to... Uh, recommend this at the end of the episode with the other with the other fanfics uh because uh it's a really it's a really good pot fig and a really good fanfic and i think you might enjoy it and then there was uh another thing you said concerning the scene where merlin outs himself as a sorcerer and arthur says no way merlin is a sorcerer and what you said is re-watching that scene the other day i wanted arthur to find merlin later and be like I appreciate your bravery, but you're fucking stupid. Do you know what you've done? You can't go around yelling, it was me. People might believe you at some point, and then you'll be dead. What good will that do? <laughs> and honestly, Basically. like, I want that scene too. <laughs> and we also should have included something along the lines of, uh, think of how it looked when people think my personal servant was a sorcerer. They'll think I'm a fool and unfit to leave the country because I couldn't even spot a sorcerer right in front of me. And that would have explained why Merlin never said anything until the very end. <laughs> Someone write me that. It wasn't for a cheat yeah, at all. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> ah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Let's not get into the magic reveal because we'll be in another hour longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Woodland Goddess also left, left us uh, a comment on our Merther episode uh, saying, first of all, that uh, they love our theme tune, which thank you. I'm so glad people show some love for it because uh, I want to just repeat here that it was composed specifically for this podcast by the amazing Sidesteppings. So our theme tune is an original by Sidesteppings composed just for us. And it's a good one. Very cool. Then you said something about um, how Merlin treats Arthur after he has taken his will away. And you said, it was like being stabbed in the chest to see Merlin be so mean to him and taking advantage of his lack of willpower. I understand how Merlin must have felt so used and abused for so long, but the author he was dealing with didn't deserve that treatment at all. It pissed me the fuck off. And I mean, I've I've talked about this in the uh, Merther episode as well, where like there's this power imbalance and how awful Merlin is to Arthur whenever he gets the chance to just vent and, and be awful without, you know, repercussions. And I'm just 
glad to know that I'm not the only one who, you know, objects to how Merlin treats Arthur, especially in this situation. And I mean, I can see why others would see this differently because like Rock said, I think in a Merlin episode, in a Martha episode, is that Merlin maybe hoped or saw a chance that Arthur would actually hear what he had to say. And would remember. And yeah. would remember it, but like... He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. Arthur doesn't remember anything after he is given back his will. He just goes back to how he is, which, to be honest, in this scene, he is kind of awful and, and you know, shouting at Merlin and, and kicking him. <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, look at how the poor boy wakes up. He's disoriented. He doesn't know what happened. He was taken away from his castle against his will. And he's wearing <laughs> ridiculous clothes that don't really fit him. I mean, he looks great in those clothes. I mean, especially... <laughs> those trousers i mean hmm nice but i'm pretty sure arthur doesn't appreciate it as much as i do (laughs) (laughs) probably not uh but i mean i actually feel really like because i even wrote down here like in the script i feel really bad that when i first saw the episode i didn't really like see it that way because obviously i completely see now that like obviously yeah he like he was completely a different person like what like while that was going on but I think like maybe the reason why it didn't bother me as much is like I've said in the Merlin character review as well I love the fact that Merlin isn't like your typical like hero he does do really shady shit like he's really like he's not like one that will do like like that won't do unheroic things you know he poisons morgana he kills several people and you know that's one of the reasons why i really really like love him as a character because he's like you never know what he's going to do and i think with this it just always kind of i guess i just saw it as like even though he like what he did wasn't right like the way that he treated arthur like i don't know if he knew when he like cast that spell on Arthur that it would make him behave the way it did like we've never seen him cast that spell before so maybe he didn't know but it was probably just kind of like you know this is already by like the end of season four and the poor man has just like been just so like degraded his entire life in Camelot that he probably was just like do you know what I just want to get some dignity back. Like, I just want something that I can at least say, like, you know, what? at least I kind of like stood up for myself against Arthur once, even if it like was while he was, you know, kind of not like kind of like nice and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it is kind of it is sad that the writers like kind of put that in there. But like we said, you know, we have, you know, we have seen that Merlin can be very petty when he wants to be like this isn't the first time that something like that has happened where he's just kind of done something to get back at someone else so i guess it does kind of fit with with who he is but you know yeah it definitely makes me feel less bad for arthur when he wakes up and he like demands what's happened and merlin's like i don't know and he goes fine then i'll just keep kicking you and i'm like you know what (laughs) i nearly felt bad for you but that's just just don't kick your servants (laughs) don't do that and another thing woodland goddess said is one of the things that broke me the most about Merlin and Arthur's relationship is the moment when Merlin was talking to Lancelot, I can't remember what episode, I'm still working through a rewatch, and says, I'm not totally useless, in that soft and broken little way, because all Arthur does is call him useless, and I just, sweet fuck, I'm crying, just thinking about that moment. It's so sad, like, it's really awful, that's in, um... That's in uh, uh, season four, episode two, and it's when he's just nearly died from the Doroka. And it's just like, again, it, like he's so like he's yeah, he just feels like 
like nothing and it's and this is even after like the because one of my favorite episodes of the show is um uh 311 the sorcerer's shadow which is just like one of the best merlin character episodes ever and like already even at that point he's like oh you know like literally like all i like i just play the fool like every day of my life but i know that's not what i'm like but nobody else does and the only person that does know doesn't like you know doesn't encourage me to show it and that's gaius or the only other person that knows lives you know however hundreds of miles away which is lancelot and obviously that's who he confides in in that in that moment because he's the only one that knows his true value and it's just really heartbreaking oh thanks woodland goddess for reminding me love it do you mind if i add it on there because please do it's so it's true it's so sad that like arthur never appreciates merlin and the one time it's in like the second to last episode where um merlin has lost his magic and he tells arthur he's like i gotta i have to go run an errand for gaius and arthur's like all those things i said i never meant them but i guess you really are just a coward and i was like oh no (laughs) i think yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's okay. harsh. Yeah. Like the uh, one time I, without prompting that he says something nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it makes it worse because I saw that as a gif set with just the first two lines at first, and then like to hear it in the show and he's like, "You're just a coward. You're abandoning <laughs> me in my time. I need you most." I'm like, "That's not." He's literally leaving for you like every time the show. I, that's something Arthur like, does. Like he says something nice and then he takes it back in some way yeah it's just, he keeps i think doing that, that he's a an emotionally constipated man who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't know how to express everything and it's multiple times in the show that he really does like um i'm sorry i don't remember the episode but when merlin's merlin's hurt the mace hit him and arthur makes his you're the bravest man i've ever met speech mm. um i can't remember I remember all the little bits of dialogue, like he says that he's seen worse than Mer- worse than Merlin says on a dead man, and he makes this like you're a great guy, Merlin. I really value your speech, and Merlin's like, oh shit, I'm actually going to die. You're being nice to me. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's things like that that when he oh when he um do you mean when he's like uh, where they're sitting in the dark and he's like saying oh if I do die will will you call me a hero? Is it that yeah. one? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, those kinds of moments where here and there he does say something to Merlin, which I think is what he genuinely feels. Yeah. And then like, oh crap, he didn't die. Now I have to go back to being a jerk <laughs> because he, yeah. he doesn't handle this emotional honesty and vulnerability at all. No, he's ha- he has like the the emotional capacity of a teaspoon, basically. Arthur <laughs> yeah. Arthur just is is not good at expressing his feelings when they're not like anger. <laughs> Yeah. And yep. if you want to know why, we did a whole character review on this. <laughs> <laughs> a whole episode. Yeah, there's a whole episode talking, like me talking about how I wish Arthur were more in, uh, like in touch with his feelings. Yeah, <laughs> and and why it seems to be only Merlin that he can't share his feelings with. Every other character seems to get a pass, but Merlin. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I'm I'm not mad. <laughs> For good uh, reason, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have um, a quote uh, that is another quote in relation to the magic reveal. So I need to take a deep breath. <laughs> okay. And um, 
she says, Truthfully, sometimes I think Merlin told Arthur about his magic because deep down Merlin knew Arthur wasn't going to survive and there wasn't going to be time enough for a proper backlash. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, that actually, if they'd even covered that remotely, like if he'd even said like to Gaius, like at some point before Gaius left, like, I think I like, you know, I think I told him this because I don't know if he's going to make it or something like, you know, I'm sure they could have thought of a more creative way to say it than that maybe like i I actually would have found some some catharsis in the way they revealed his magic yeah i I always did see it that way that i I always did see it yeah that way that he he knew it was his last chance that he didn't want arthur to die still not knowing him with this secret and it's such a huge part of him, and he's waited so many years for Arthur's acceptance in this, and he realizes that he's losing his chance to ever have it, and it just comes out. Yeah, and, and because so obviously guilty. this battle is so, so different to every other battle they've had, like he, like yeah. this is Mordred, like this has been prophesized. He knows this isn't going to end well. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad we always manage to make ourselves sad on this podcast. <laughs> so let's let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Thank you again for your comments, Woodland Goddess. As you see, or rather here, we always enjoy talking about them and just delving deeper into the hurt. <laughs> so now that we've spent the last 15 minutes talking about Martha, let's talk about Arwen. <laughs> yes, finally. This is what Go. we're here for today. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna start by letting our guests introduce themselves some more, and I'm gonna start by reading um, Ella's uh, Ella Rose's uh, introduction. Ella underscore Rose eighty eight for anyone who doesn't know runs the live journal community the Pendragons as well as the accompanying Tumblr, and this is their personal fandom history. I'm quoting directly from what they sent me. I discovered Merlin first when I saw a TV promo late 2008, early 2009. It intrigued me. My dad even commented that it would be a show I would be into. So I looked it up. I read some reviews, watched some clips and tried to stream it on YouTube, but around this time we had a dial-up internet so it was ridiculously slow. This was annoying because the whole show had aired in the UK and I was dying to watch it. While waiting for the show to air and during the time I managed to watch the first series, I managed to find the Arwen community Camelot Love on LifeJournal, and after a few months of lurking there, I joined and thus I entered the fandom world. I devoured so much Arwen fanfic and it was the actually first time I read fanfiction too, so it was a memorable time for me. God, Camelot Love, that takes me back, Jesus! (laughs) That's such a long time ago. Is that still running, that com? Or is that, like, long, long gone? I remember that was, like, yeah, that was in the old days. That's crazy. So I first discovered the show actually through my sister, and it was probably 2010, I think. And she watched it. She found it actually on Netflix because she was borrowing a friend's um, Netflix password. And I walked in on her watching the show about magic, and I was probably... 12, 11. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, I walked in on her watching a show of magic. That sounds like you walked in on her watching something much more sinister. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> adulty. <laughs> but like, 
magic was my thing. I loved fantasy, and I still do. And, like, she wasn't always into that kind of stuff, so that's why that's relevant. Ah, I see. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, and I sat down, and I'm like, what's this? And she explained to me, and we watched the third season together. And then it just so happened I saw a ad on TV a little while later that it was showing the fourth season was going to show on the sci-fi network. And so it just happened. I found, I watched that on TV. And then when the fifth season aired, I watched that on TV. And then I never saw the first two seasons until probably a year ago. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I rewatched oh. the whole series. Wow. What did you think yeah. seeing them so late? Like, what did you think of them? Cause they're so dated, aren't they really? Like, <laughs> A little bit. Um, it's just, it was really different to see the interactions between all the characters mm. and how the growth happens between, like, they originally were shipping, like, they intended to have Gwen and Merlin together. <laughs> and, like, that was dropped real, real fast. And then, like, actually seeing Lancelot, because Lancelot, like, he shows up. I think in the third season's when he dies. And, like, my sister was screaming at the episode, and I'm just like, I don't know who this guy is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, like, the fourth season, I think Lancelot of Duloc or whatever, when, like, Morgana raises his shade, and he comes and fights, and, like, watching it the first time, I was just like, well, this sucks. Like, I know he died, and that Gwen liked him, and now I'm like, oh, there's... Ah, there's emotions. <laughs> it so, hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my story with the show. Um, I did not know there exist a uh, Merlin fandom existed until I found your podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> Probably a month ago. Yeah, and then I responded to your call for um someone on the show, and you asked me to find some like recommendations, and I was like, well, okay, sure. Better get in wealth and fandom now. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm at, I'm actually really excited for the recommendation portion of your shows, so I can go through and find people to follow. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I was amazed. I'm so glad we were able to give this to you. The fandom. Yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> yeah. So that's my history. Yay! <laughs> Long one with the show, short one with the fandom. May, what about you? I was, well, I was really looking forward to the recommendations part so I could get geeky. So, recommendations. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> More stuff to look at, but <laughs> I guess we'll share our very little knowledge of the actual fandom part. Um, I got into the show in very early 2013 because I was on Tumblr while season five was wrapping up. Like, I, I saw the world explode when Arthur died. <laughs> I was online for that. Uh, and not in the show. I was not watching oh, it. So man. I saw like everyone break down and die. And it's like, I should check this out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody dies. I should check this out. I wasn't even on the internet yet. <laughs> oh, so that was, yeah, that's when I started watching it on Netflix. And I actually stopped for a few months and then got back into it same time all of my siblings did so we were all watching it together separately but at the same time like mad people like where are you have you reached this part yet what's happening right now <laughs> and it was a very good haze of five seasons very quick oh, <laughs> very wow. fast 
Can I ask, um, what was it like watching the show having, like, knowing how it ends? Because I think I can speak for most of the, like, fans that were watching it as it was airing that, trust me, nobody thought he was going to die at the end. Like, nobody really? thought that's where they were going with it. So when he died, it was a big shock. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so, so how did it impact your viewing experience, considering you knew what was going to happen to him? I, I think I didn't really, I didn't really feel like it impacted much because I knew the Arthurian legends, like Arthur dies, like that's, that's a part of it. And I, I would have been really surprised if the show had veered off from that. Uh, cause it's such a, it's such a huge part. Like the story of Camelot is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was really interesting, like, like watching all these characters grow and get to know each other when I knew that in the end, like Merlin stabbed Morgana, Morgana, Mordred stabbed Arthur with Morgana's arrangement. Like seeing these people who start off as friends when I knew how they looked and ended mm. was, it was always like a, I don't know, a reality check. Like whenever they're happy, it's just like, it's not going to last. The more pessimistic 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 viewpoint than most people did watching it yeah (laughs) but I think the reason why most of us didn't really think that it was going to go that way is because I mean maybe they changed their minds like halfway through and they clearly did because seasons one to like four were kind of moving very slowly and then season four to five escalated the the Arthurian legend yeah like escalated like the whole Arthurian legend in this like in the span of one season like as we know it but like what because obviously the way that it was marketed to us like in season one was a before they were famous story it was like marketed as Smallville for the Arthurian legend so like it was meant to be that like what you were watching was the lead up to like Superman putting on the cape for the first time, like the lead up to Arthur becoming king. That's what we thought it was going to end with was him becoming king. And that was where the show was going to finish. So we, so when he, so when he got crowned, even I was like, I was like, where are they going with this? And then, you know, soon found out on Christmas Eve, you know, where they were going. Really? Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, that happened on Christmas Eve. Holy shit. Which for Europeans is like our Christmas day. So basically like on, you know, the most, you know, (laughs) celebrated day of the year, I was sitting in my room with my little box TV on the phone to my best friend, sobbing down the phone because it was Christmas Eve. We couldn't watch it together. (laughs) Didn't didn't, um, Bradley James, who plays Arthur, didn't he like tweet, Merry Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, I'm dead. (laughs) I woke up on Christmas Day wishing I was dead. I was like, this is just horrible. Like Arthur. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Wonderful. So let's talk about Arthur and Gwen as a pairing. Rox already said that their ship name in fandom is Arwen. Not to be confused with the say with the character of the same name from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you can tell that this ship was created prior to the existence of Tumblr because this would never happen now. <laughs> like you would right. never have that. That honestly confused me for a while because I didn't get back into fandom until a couple of years ago, and then I I read something about like Arwen. I was like, wait, Arwen isn't in Merlin. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Brought the 
And then I realized, oh, right, that's Arthur and Gwen <laughs> as a pairing. That makes sense now. So we we want to know how and when you started shipping it. And I'm again, I'm going to start off with Ella's response. When I first heard about the show and how they had set up Arthur as the prince and Gwen as a servant, I was really intrigued to see how they would develop Arwen. I've watched some other Arthurian legend films, and I admit I was never a fan of the whole love triangle, and honestly I shipped Guinevere with Lancelot in some of them, which I feel awful admitting to, and I tried to forget that I did. However, when I was looking at some YouTube clips of Arwen in Series 1, while waiting to watch it on TV, I immediately fell in love with them. I felt the chemistry and the huge potential despite them not actually sharing much screen time together in Series 1. Also, I am a massive fan of class difference romance, royalty slash servant, so that really appealed to me. Alright, what about you two? Because Rox and I don't ship it, so we can't really say when we started shipping it, so... <laughs> when did you guys start shipping it? And how? Um, I have a tendency to just ship what's canon, I've learned, um, but, like, I definitely agree with them, where I have, I'm a sucker for <laughs> Romeo and Juliet style, where one's, yeah. like, the servant, and one's the king, and they're gonna end up together and happy, and it just fed right into that, where they're, they're sweet, and in the later seasons, where Arthur starts treating her as more than just a servant, and you're like, oh, I see where you're going. <laughs> like that that's that's where you hooked me, I think. And you may? Well, I um I I didn't warm up to it immediately. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't interested. Like like when they first kissed in Once in Future Queen, that the um their first like spark of romance or actual kiss, my mm-hmm. sisters were freaking out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Like, it was a pretty kiss. Like, they filmed it really well, but I don't know, guys. I don't really care. <laughs> and it it really hit, though, their date. Um, what's that episode called? Queen of Hearts. Oh, man. Queen of Hearts. Their Is date the in the woods. Like... Yeah, they and run then he's going to run away with her. <laughs> she's being banished, and he's going to leave everything for her. I was like, okay, guys, I yes! should go. <laughs> he's dragging her away in the throne room, and he breaks from the hold of the guards. To kiss yes, her and he so runs off. and kisses her. <laughs> like so much for her which like is honestly what he does for a lot of his friends but like yeah. i just yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he doesn't have a set goal in life he's just like whatever feels right at this time yeah kingdoms know the relationship know the kingdom know me know the kingdom yeah it's very scattered that whole dichotomy between him and his father where um yeah. uther's really pissed he's so pissed about <laughs> gwen and it's just like, but father, I love yeah. him, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know, it's just the unrequited love yep. sort of and, trope. And forbidden love. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just a that's sucker. better than unrequited. <laughs> it was unrequited for a bit. Gwen suffered for a while. <laughs> They're on and off. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Fairy tale romance and the all of it. I'm just, 
I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> I will go for it. It won you over in the end. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what we don't like about the ship. And Ella said to this question. There isn't anything I dislike about Arwen other than the fact that the show didn't allow them to kiss in series 5. I wasn't the only one frustrated by that. It was really annoying that we never got to see them like that after the amazing kisses we got in series 2, 3 and 4. So that was really disappointing. That being said, Arthur banishing Gwen in series 4 was disappointing seeing as the audience knew that Gwen was enchanted. I mean, I get that Arthur was angry and felt really betrayed and could have had her executed, but to banish her from the only home she has known was really harsh. Also, Merlin could have told Arthur his suspicions that Lancelot was a shade, because then they may have realized what might have happened with Gwen. I want to say something to this because like this episode is like the one episode I hate the most in the entire show. Like I, I usually refuse to rewatch it uh, because of the whole uh, rapey aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. The thing is they addressed this uh, because Merlin does find out that, Arthur, that Lancelot is a shade and then he, he talks to guys about it, I think, and they both realize that even with, like, knowing that Lancelot is, like, a zombie or whatever, that doesn't explain why Gwen kissed him. Like, Merlin never once suspects that Gwen, like, didn't act. Like, he doesn't suspect that Gwen acted out of character at all. Like, no one suspects that Gwen acted out of character. Like, even Gwen says that she... Doesn't that like Rox? You said that in the Gwen episode, right? Uh, that she says she felt drawn to him, and she doesn't understand why, but she felt drawn to him. Like Gwen herself, she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Gwen herself doesn't know why she did this. Like no, it's one really knows. the perfect plan. Like it's really the perfect plan because it because yeah. it draws on stuff that's actually real. And she and you know she, uh, Morgana has warped it in such a way that Gwen is completely fucked because like. You know, she can't talk her way out of it because, you know, it's already seen yeah. that they were like, in love. So everyone, it's like, <laughs> everyone except Morgana at this point, and I suppose Agravain, uh, know that Gwen was enchanted to cheat on Arthur. Like, nobody else knows. Everybody else thinks that Gwen, like, even Gwen herself thinks that she cheated on Arthur by kissing Lancelot. So I'm I'm very much uh agreeing that this is like awful what happened to Gwen. Like I I really I get upset about this just thinking about it. But I don't think there was any way like Merlin would have had to investigate much deeper to realize that Gwen was wearing a bla bracelet that was enchanted or anything, but he had no like probably a fault of the writers again i love to blame the writers because it's their fault basically uh yeah like yeah. <laughs> merlin didn't see any reason to investigate any further why gwen would do this because even he believes that gwen would do it you know with the right incentive yeah. like yeah and that is just that's what bothers me honestly <laughs> so but i don't see that the way it was set up 
uh, by the writers, there was no way for Merlin to be like, well, maybe we should tell Arthur about uh, Zombie Lancelot, and then he might think that something was fishy. Because no, even if it's were if it was Zombie Lancelot, Gwen still kissed him. You know, everybody believed it was the real Lancelot for a while, so of course Gwen believed it too. And you know, I don't think it was possible at this point without some major rewriting done. The whole show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the whole but show I, yeah i think also what's really frustrating like you know because i've never really thought of it from like an arwen shipper's point of view for obvious reasons but i think if i mm. ship them i think it would really frustrate me as well because from a writing point of view like giving your um the couple that you want the audience to get behind like their main conflict of like their relationship to be something that was completely out of their control is just lazy writing because mm-hmm. it actually doesn't challenge them as a couple at all because it's like it didn't really happen if that makes sense like like betrayal oh. didn't actually occur like even though they think it did but betrayal didn't actually occur so it's just a cheat to the audience it's a cheat to them as characters because even though they did end up working through it in the end but it was but it was kind of cheap because she didn't really cheat on him like she didn't want to so it just feels a bit like well if you're going and also because obviously that's such a huge part of the legend is that love triangle it's like the most famous love triangle ever just mm-hmm. utilize it use it yeah, if you're I mean, going they, to have these characters yeah. do it yeah like like for real because then you can actually have her tempted or something like that and then i feel like the resolution would be all the more satisfying like from like yeah. you know an actual narrative point of view but maybe that's just me See, and what I find the most aggravating about the whole arc is that it's never really, like, um, there's no real closure behind it. Because she finds him when they're, like, outside of the Kingdom of Camelot, I don't remember where. And she's taking care of him, and he's like, you're banished, why are you here? And she's like, I love you. And he's like, you know what, I love you too, let's get married. And then they get married in the next episode. Well, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind Arthur's changing his mind. Well, kind of. I I have a very serious <laughs> she was cheating. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> and I it's what Arthur said when he when he banished Guinevere, which I also have a problem with. Let's talk about that one. <laughs> right. But, I'm good at that. But, <laughs> um when when Merlin said he was like, I know you still love her, this is Agravain's influence, the people won't see you as weak, you can bring her back and still marry her. And he was like, thank you for speaking out. But that's not the problem. The problem isn't weakness or anything like that. I love her. Uh, I am mad at her, but I will find a way to forgive her someday. I hope the issue is that she's broken my trust. I will never be able to fully trust her again as a king or as a husband. And both of those are so important for Arthur. Can't trust anyone. It's really important. He trusts his wife and his queen. He's saying that's why this will never work out, even if I still love her even if I forgive her and she won't ever do this again. I can never be certain again because she betrayed my trust. And that's so motherfucking valid. <laughs> that's yeah. like yeah. legit. Like, that that's me goosebumps that's, when you bring that that's, up. It's it. It's, that's the reason that you blew your chance when you cheat because you're no longer trustworthy. And uh, it makes you wonder in like season five when Morgana, well, okay. No, because it's not cheating. When Morgana has um, Gwen under her control, and Gwen's acting weird. Like, and, well, okay, no. Because I was thinking how Arthur doesn't quite react 
with that past in mind of her like cheating and being lost but it's a different story he knows this time yeah. that she's enchanted exactly he knows this time that makes the entire difference yeah but yeah anyway back to that part yeah. like i think that they never really resolved why arthur feels he can trust her again they never yeah they never had him get over that they just had him miss her enough he's so depressed and he's so empty without her that when he saw her again there wasn't really another option. You know, wasn't yeah, it more because because he, mm-hmm. he saw like because well, 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 he saw his old die? Because obviously they had that oh. moment where like they're in the yeah, old door and they like, kind of have that moment where he like drops his guard for a minute, but then he gets mad at her like later on when she actually's like, oh well, things are fine now, and he's like, no, they're not. And then like um, when he sees that his old is dead, like he probably has kind of a moment of. I might have to get my priorities straight. And then he's like, well, you know, she could be dead. So, like, yeah. maybe I can that's what move past this. Mind. Yeah. Seeing, I forgot seeing about Isolde die, where he's like, well, this <sighs> could have this could happen, which, which is something I hate. Like, Isolde, in this episode, Isolde dies just so Arthur can have his big epiphany that, oh, fuck, if yep. I don't, like, if I'm not yeah. with Gwen, then I might lose her forever you know she might die and then and then where am life. i so you know um that's that's what makes him change his mind in the end seeing yeah Isolde die and being like like seeing tristan take her into his arms and and watch him be so heartbroken over the death of his one true love and then arthur is like what if this were me i don't want gwen to die so i better marry yeah. her so you know and there's the and whole, like, also... true love is real and and in addition to that, before that, all of his stuff with Mythian, where he really did try to move on and find a new queen. And she's perfect. I love Mythian to pieces. <laughs> I she's, love Mythian too. So she would be she would be a beautiful wife for him, a beautiful queen to Camelot. It, it was everything about it was fantastic. But he realized then he just because that's the also the episode where he finds Guinevere's engagement ring in the woods, and he just he can't move past. He's trying and he's trying, and Gwen's too important to him i i don't remember you you said there was a scene where guinevere thought that everything was fine and arthur said he was still upset i don't remember that scene oh it's uh, when they're um in the woods and uh i think they're getting ready for battle and she's sitting with his old and she get like sees him walk up and walk away and she gets up and she's like oh arthur arthur as if like she like but in like a way that makes it sound like oh i'll go and comfort him and then he's just like don't like what yeah. happened back <laughs> the old, or it was a <laughs> moment you. of weakness yeah and he's like, yeah. um, nice to the heart. Yeah. And and I think he says something like um, what we had between us, everything we had is gone and that will never change. And 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 she just walks away upset. So it's kind of like she thinks that she can go and comfort him. And he's just like, leave me alone. Like, I don't want anything to do yeah. with you. I know that yeah. his. Which is understandable. <laughs> I know that his, <laughs> his second proposal to her uh, is because when he there. Um, the, the castle's all bashed up. It's, she's just picking a chair up and he comes in and she says that she'll leave as soon as she can. She'll reenact her banishment and leave. And he says, no, don't. And he, and he tries to start, start talking to her and she says that, she says that she can't forgive himself regardless of whether he can, she can't. She betrayed him. And he's like, I really don't care. Will you marry me? And that's when she says with all my heart that she, she is trying to, she, truly hasn't forgiven herself either i'd be kicking myself till i died you cheat on our i would i would never forgive myself um and i think she was in the same boat that she she understood that as well that she she really betrayed him and it was something that was 
important and mattered and that she she isn't worthy of what they had i guess even though she is yeah my my biggest beef with the ship is and i mean you know again i'm a shipper i know how shipping works and that you can uh see subtext and read subtext into anything you want and like the arwen shippers clearly felt the chemistry uh which is why they're shipping it uh this is literally just my impression uh but to me like before season five the relationship just felt really forced like forced by the writers where like especially in the early seasons it was like always tacked on as an afterthought like oh right uh arthur and gwen they they were gonna get them together at some point maybe we should give them a scene together so you know it it, it really really felt like shoehorned in at, at some times and i'm just like ah, they could have done so much better with it <laughs> i agree they could have gone farther the P yeah. word potential, which we always talk about in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then what really bothers me is that in like the first two seasons, especially Gwen is kind of characterized like you know an indecisive tart. Like first she has this crush, <laughs> yeah. she has this crush on Merlin. Then we're supposed to believe that she has a crush on Lancelot, which I'm not going to get into because we're gonna have probably a Lancelot Gwen episode, and I'm gonna rant about it at length then. And and then in uh, season two, she also starts having feelings for Arthur, presumably, but still has feelings for Alonso. Also, has totally forgotten about Merlin apparently at this point. And just yeah, he was gone. <laughs> like I'm not saying that a person's feelings can't change, or that uh, that they can't change quickly, or that she couldn't even have had crushes on several people at once. Because I know I definitely have crushes on several people at the same time, all the time. Um. But I really would have liked an episode where she's honestly like conflicted and confused by all these feelings that she has. Like there is this one, like the one episode in season two, Gwyneth and Lancelot, is just not enough because it's not really her being conflicted about her own feelings. Because in Gwyneth and Lancelot, she's very much ready to be with Lancelot, and then someone else makes a decision for her, which she never really gets to have this moment where she isn't sure about whom she loves and whom she'd take or like whom she'd accept if she were given the choice you know and it's just that really bothers me like it's not un like it's not unrealistic for her to have feelings for different people at the same time or one after the other or to change her mind about whom she likes more but i really wanted to like if like rock said if they were going to have these characters with the legendary love triangle for them not to use it if they were going to have, like even hint at it like rock said all the potential it's just uh, it bothers so me and, that, and that's, that's what makes this that's what makes this ship so so unrealistic for me because i don't really i don't really buy into it because everything just feels like forced to me like like I said, Gwen comes off as an indecisive tart who just flits from one guy to the other, which I hate because I love Gwen and this is just doing her injustice. You gotta love using the woman for the male's character development, yeah. right? <laughs> That's great. That's basically Gwen's middle name, unfortunately. I feel like they didn't give Guinevere enough of a character on her own. Like she's, mm. she doesn't feel enough like an individual. 
when you look at what they each put into their relationship, I can only add up what Gwen puts into it. You know, she's Arthur's advisor. She's his support. She's his comfort. And there are definitely scenes scattered through the show where, like, Morgan is kidnapped and you see Arthur hugging Gwen. Like, she goes to his chambers and seeks comfort in him. And she thinks he's funny. But it's little things like that. Like, there's nothing that he majorly puts into this, you know, besides, like, you know, his kingdom. <laughs> but that's not her goal, I think. I mean, obviously, he puts work and effort and turmoil into it, but not, I don't know, not like his own character and his own personality. Like, she's his helper, and it doesn't tend to go much beyond that, you know? You pretty much covered it. We're like, she just doesn't have much of a personality. And, like, yeah. she brings so much, but she, like, he doesn't respond a lot. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And then in season five, this is more of an issue with the writing or like timing, I guess, of the show. I feel like we were robbed of like their relationship as a married couple. Yeah. Because you see them so, as, oh, sorry. No, you're, <laughs> you're right. Just for so long, she's bewitched by Morgana and she's not herself. It's four episodes. Like that's a third of the season, basically. And it's just so aggravating that we, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that's my point there. I I actually I loved the episodes where she was bewitched because it's like <laughs> it's the laughing it's like the funniest thing to me about this show is how bad their bad guys are at being bad guys. Like there are so <laughs> many easy ways to get into Camelot and kill everyone and none of them ever do it. Like Osana <laughs> like, has this giant plot of like, I am going to turn into an old woman. I am going to kidnap this princess. We're going to break into the castle. We're going to draw Arthur out to this place. She's literally in the castle. Like high priestess, bam, in front of Arthur and she doesn't kill him. Like she, like, she draws him out to this foreign land so that Odin can kill him. It's like, woman, you have like 90 unnecessary steps in this plot. Um, was but that one that's because she did promise Odin and that oh, way she would have the ally. That, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's plot holes, sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Merlin is number one convict of this. We're like, he just gets around. It's good. Like, and with his magic, like, where it's at and where Morgana's magic's at, like, she could easily get in there. Like, yep. <laughs> easily. And then we walked in. She just walked in in, like, the second third episode of the show at the very beginning uh pretending to be that servant and poisoned arthur's goblet uh it's just so easy like they have the worst security ever <laughs> but when everyone escapes from the dungeons all the time when guinevere was evil though she was the best villain that this show had and mm. like she she really got shit done and she had an added <laughs> sure. challenge that most villains didn't have which is that she needed to frame someone else and she framed Merlin. What the bitching fuck? She framed Merlin. Like, Merlin was in the cells for killing Arthur, which is absurd. But she planned in enough evidence. She arranged the situation enough that it really looked like Merlin had tried to kill Arthur. And she That's had true. multiple attempts, multiple ways that it went wrong out of her hands. But she still, she covered all of her tracks. And she, she played the part beautifully. She was the best villain that this show had. <laughs> That's a good point. I enjoyed it. Like it was like evil gliding you, which isn't a great thing, but it was a good thing. It was really cool to watch. So I really enjoyed that, and I get that it. I get that it took away from the time we could have had of them together. Uh, But it also it was really nice because it was time to focus on Arthur loving her. Like when he finds out that she isn't herself, and he's just looking at her, and he's like, "You know that I love you." Which I'm so excited to talk about. 
I love you so much. I will do anything for you. And she's like, I really don't care. I hate you, okay? <laughs> Is that why she's like, who's this old crow? She says, fuck you to him, like, to his face, holding him in his arm, her arms. God. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah. <laughs> what I didn't like about and five was it kind of it kind of took away their personalities in the relationship and they were just king and queen which was awesome mm-hmm. best power couple i love them but i wanted more intimate scenes i wanted the courtship to continue the i i just the romance you know and that seemed yeah. to just disappear all it's of like, their scenes together were the kingdom not about mm-hmm. them anymore i love them <laughs> when i think about it we did get basically like three and a half seasons of that where or like yeah. yeah where it's them courting without really knowing it so i suppose like that was filled and it's just before they were married instead of after so yeah, yeah. i just i love married romance <laughs> I right? love when they keep it. it feels that's what it feels like is the writers checked it off you know like okay lancelot has done this with guinevere okay They've officially admitted they like each other. Okay, they've kissed, and then they don't ever need to show it again. I'm like, right. but like, you they don't just married. stop loving as soon as you get married. I they were telling a story more than letting us know the characters, you know. And I, yeah. I just I want it current through the whole thing. I want, I want to always know that they love each other. <laughs> always, always, always. Yeah. And how little they talk and interact. We're like, yeah. they're just short, and usually it's not her giving him advice again. And like, and I I get that she's a side character, but just a little more guys <laughs> well, she's not meant to be a side character she's meant to be one of the four protagonists right she's meant to be <laughs> a main character her. She... they never yeah. ever let her be that so i Mm-mm. always thought she was a side like there's merlin and then arthur and morgana's the villain and guinevere is their sidekick yeah which is often done to black characters and like black female characters i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> In the first season, like when Gwen gets a little more screen time, it's still like it often feels like she's the best friend to Morgana or Merlin. And there's another point that can be said about treating black characters, too, where like they were trying so hard to avoid that trope where they made her this soft, gentle character and then forgot about her. And like I'm racking my brain. I think she's probably the only besides her brother, Elian, she's probably the only person of color in like the main cast. Yeah. yeah, I would count Elian in that. He's not in it much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's not in it. Even- yeah. And, like, the it's only- just, I remember thinking when I first, along the line somewhere when I was watching the show, like, Guinevere is a black woman? They made, like, this British show made Guinevere a black woman? That's insane. And, mm-hmm. like, it's cool. And then thinking about how she's treated, like, it's not the worst. But they could have done better. And that's how yeah. it is with a lot of the writing in the show. They could have done better. I have only one more, but we, we almost, we touched on it a bit, the vanishing, uh, when she, when she cheated. And I just, what I hate, and this is again back to just the writers and Gwen in general, but I, I hate that was, I get the banishing. I mean, like, you can talk me into that. I understand that extreme reaction. But alone, like, I want, I wanted, if she was like, a, a nice escort to this town or something, I would have been like, okay, I feel so much better. But they just sent her off completely alone with this like wagon. And I'm mad about, I'm mad that 
Merlin wasn't like, yeah, I am going with her, guys, until she finds a place, and then I will be back. It makes more sense because he has to stay for Destiny, and Arthur's almost dying every day he has to save him. I was mainly most mad at Elian. Yeah, I was, thank you. I was about to edit if you were going to say, because, like, (laughs) why the fuck? I was just like, like, so easy. Like, I don't care that she cheated on you. You're going to send her, like, she literally gets kidnapped for a harem. (laughs) Like, they're not kidding about how scary this world is. She's, like, ten steps away from bad time with Helios when she runs away from Organa. And Elian just, he hates her. Like, he sees that she kisses Arthur, his best bro dude, and he's done with her. Glares at her in the courtroom, and she leaves. He does, it doesn't even show him talk to her, and it just feels... Because the show forgets that they're related, like, until they need it as a plot device. (laughs) They made that point for him, like, he specifically disapproved of her in that courtroom. And honestly, we can get a lot into what I don't like about Elian's character. He never <laughs> treats Gwen right, but that's not Arwen. I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> I wanted Arthur, <laughs> I wanted Arthur to um, have a, a guard escort or help her find a place or or something, but just sending her completely alone out there. Yeah, it, it's death sentence, and it it would have been if she and wasn't like, so. Have you awesome. seen like? Have you seen the wagon that she drags? Like she's by herself, I, and she's she just like carry, like dragging this carriage behind her, like a pack mule. And I'm just yeah. like, honestly, no, oh. yeah. And like protect nothing. And it, I just was hoping throughout the whole thing, like that it would be like a couple days. Arthur would realize it was an overreaction. And be like, yeah. okay, wait, come back, we need to talk. Yeah, kind of that's that's me. I, I really wanted him to be like, because, I mean, at first, I was of the opinion that Arthur shouldn't have reacted as harshly as he did, but I, w- I have come around um, to the opinion that, mostly because of uh, Rox's stellar arguments, uh, <laughs> I have come around to see, okay, in this in this moment, this is how he reacted, and it's not uh overreacting it's just like this is Arthur genuinely Arthur uh but yeah I feel like he should have like a little while later he should have been like okay maybe maybe we should have talked about this some more or like even have Merlin be like really Arthur is this what you is this what you want I mean you clearly you clearly love her you clearly need to find some closure with this don't you think you should maybe try to at least talk to her about it again once more yes he does um and arthur chiffon says no <laughs> leave me alone about <laughs> right? it right and i think he threatens to banish merlin too if merlin brings it up again but it's, that's it's true. and he says it in a way that says that he said this many times before it's something he's nagging <laughs> arthur about um mm-hmm. i think it was also in the missing episode at least in that that where i know arthur's walking down the hall and he's like you can't marry her because you love Gwen. You are not going to be able to go through with this because you're still not over Gwen. You need her. Go get her. And Arthur won't hear it. He just can't. And then he finds the ring in the woods and he's all broken and Merlin comes in to talk to him and he says, I don't remember. How can I give my heart to another when I don't remember. I still love Guinevere. Okay, guys, I don't know what to do. <laughs> See, and like, the whole thing almost reminds me of a setup for like, the exist like, it reminds me of them trying to get rid of Gwen so they can set up the Merthyr ship, almost. 
Like, it's just, it's so... Slide her on out of there. <laughs> yeah, just like, okay, bye, you're out of the picture now, you're banished. Although, like, if he didn't, if Arthur still wasn't so into her. This is like, this is like the, oh, sorry for interrupting, but this is like the worst, the, the, the one thing I hate when fanfic writers do it, just like, invent <laughs> some kind of reason to disgrace the female character just to make the slash ship possible, like... You will never find me do that to a female character. Like, I might have done it, like, ten years ago, but I will never do it to a female character. Because it's just, like, it's the shit. Like, if you can't find any other way to make your slash ship works, then your slash ship isn't real, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I love how you two are like, oh, it's almost like they did this to make the Murtha ship canon, and, like, the, the Murtha ship is over there, like, isn't that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what was in canon? Oh, no, we're not watching the same show. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. I am literally purely going to be talking from, like, my, like, film screenwriter's point of view here. I'm not going to get personal because there's no point. Because, like Momo, I understand how shipping works. And I understand, like, sometimes you just won't click. And, like, there is no... Re- like, And I will say, like, this is really extraordinary for me because... Uh, like what you guys said earlier about like oh i'm a sucker for this kind of trope like i'm a sucker for that kind of trope i should have been over this ship like a rash like i should have been so excited for it because all of the tropes that are used for their relationship are tropes that i live for and you know but but just sometimes it just doesn't click so instead what i'm going to talk about is like just my narrative problems like and if they'd have moved certain things around like it would have worked for me just perfectly well probably I don't know um but also I think what's really interesting to point out and I didn't realize this until I actually started thinking about it was Arwen as like a main ship of the show is actually uh the last uh ship to be introduced like out of all of the main ships in the show it's not introduced until um uh the moment of truth but if you're really gonna go for like canon it's not introduced until like season two whereas by this point we've already had Martha we've had Arthur and Morgana we've had arguably Morgana and Gwen we've had Gwen and Lancelot we've had Merlin and Morgana so I feel like probably part of the reason yeah so I feel like also part of the reason why maybe it was difficult for me to ship it was because by then I'm just burned out like and I've been shipping (laughs) and like if you've been watching it from season one which I which I didn't but you'll probably already like got your OTP by then so it's like well another ship like come on guys you know like because they were setting up so many couples it's like season one aka who do we ship you know so it's crazy but like I think for me what like Momo you said this earlier was like you know when we come to Camelot you know Merlin is the newcomer but everybody else already knows each other so we've got you know Gwen and Morgana already have a pre-established relationship, so do Arthur and Morgana. And by extension, you would have assumed that Gwen and Arthur would be aware of each other's existence. And she kind of is. But you'd think they would have a bit more of an intimate understanding of each other's lives because of how close Arthur and Morgana are. And they live in the same castle. Well, you know, live. She works in the same castle. But like you said, they have no interactions and have a hate to love trope thing brewing in the beginning. And then by the moment of truth, she has that scene with him, which was great up until she gets all flustered for no reason, because we have literally never seen her look attracted to him at all. So I'm just like, uh, all right, that's fine. And then the rest of season one is quite good in the way that they kind of establish like 
them kind of toing and froing about each other. And then season two is just a horrible experiment. Like, it's just kind of like, I really wish they'd have left the kiss till later in season two. Like, I just, because it's not even like, yeah, I mean, I actually wrote down here because I, um, I was trying to kind of rewrite it in my head and I thought do you know what would have been so much more satisfying for me like if they hadn't have kissed and once a future queen like you know just keep everything as it is if you want to and then just kind of have you know some kind of like yeah just have her give him the the token and everything and then obviously Lancelot and Guinevere happens and you know I mean yeah that's just the biggest waste of use for Lancelot as a character just in general because like you said, Momo, you have it set up that literally if Lancelot had not left, it has been like basically confirmed by the show and by the writing that she would have chosen him had he not gone, which yeah. from a shipping point of view for me is just kind of like, well, wh- like, how is that supposed to make me ship the couple you want me to like as opposed to this other couple? But what's more frustrating is it's never brought up again. You have a few episodes of nothing like literally like you have like a couple of scenes with them and then you have their big episode in sweet dreams which again yeah comes and and it's like Lancelot isn't brought up they have that kind of weird thing that's happening like where he um well like uh she thinks that he gave her like a note obviously it's from Merlin but she has that moment where she's like mm-hmm. oh do you know where you'd like lost all hope and you thought and I'm just sitting there going Girl, when did you ever in any of the episodes leading up to this moment look like you had hope? You never even once spoke about hope. You were the one that was telling him that this could never be. So where did this come from? And then what I really like wish would have happened is if the spell that had been put onto Arthur would have actually. Been... So we have the situation where it's like Arthur's true love. Um, Like, it's uh, sorry, the spell will be broken when Arthur kisses the person he loves the most but wouldn't it be so much more exciting if it was the spell will be broken by by the person who truly loves arthur the most because that Mm. like because it it's gwen who the who has to recognize her feelings because arthur's already kind of admitted like like he doesn't have a love triangle going on so it's gwen that has to come to terms with her feelings for lancelot and her feelings for arthur and just her like denial in general so if it had been the other way around and then when gwen kisses him you know she loves him for real and that would have been their first kiss that would have been I, so cool i like the first yeah. kiss idea i do and that's that's the thing is i keep almost wanting to say slow burn for them but it doesn't feel like a slow burn it feels like nothing yeah. and then they like each other and then nothing and then they're in love <laughs> I love that they're in love, but I I love I love relationship building. I I keep finding myself comparing their relationship to Barry and Iris's in The Flash. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys watch that, but I did, and is, I'm really confused how they're at all similar. <laughs> they're not. I they're not similar, but I compare them. Oh, I <laughs> because see. Because Barry see. and Iris, they truly are a slow burn. There were oh yeah, where they they both have feelings for each other, and at at different points they admit this, but they aren't synced up. You know, Barry's dating someone else when Iris feels for him. Iris is dating someone else when Barry feels for her, and then they finally get to a point where they're both single and they both like each other, and they still decide to wait because <laughs> Barry needs to grab his life a bit. I think. <laughs> Anyway, that, it, they, it really took a long time, and you know for certain that they both love each other. By the time they're into this, committed to it, there's just no doubt about it. And that, uh, the only reason that I don't doubt Arthur and Guinevere is that the show said don't doubt Arthur and Guinevere. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Which isn't the way yeah. you write stuff, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And it, yeah, it was. It wasn't. Um, at least I never took it to mean whoever Arthur loved most. It was true love's kiss, which is like the fairy tale shit. Like, yeah, but both- I mean, the way it's worded is he literally says, "You must find the person Arthur truly loves." So it's like that is the way that it's kind and of. I, I mean, you know, I guess you could say, yeah, like a true love's kiss, but it's just I feel like if they'd have worded it the opposite way around, it would have been so much more exciting because then you might not. Because the thing is, I think the whole point of it is like maybe trying to make the audience guess will the kiss work because you know it's gonna work because Arthur, like you know that he has feelings for her, whereas you don't necessarily know what she feels. That's what you've set up. So it's like, isn't that a bit more exciting? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of like, um, I mean, season, oh, season three. I mean, just in general, like, I really dislike season three, (laughs) like, for so many reasons. The goblin episode being one of them. I mean, Christ. I feel so awkward. I can't watch it. Horrible. But it's like, I just it's feel so like, funny. again, it, the waste, waste, and more waste. You have one episode between them in episode two, which is just a, a rehash of everything we've had in season, uh, sorry, um, in season two is just rehashed in that one scene. And it's been a year since the finale of season two in that episode, and they're still in the same situation which i just find very interesting but whatever and then you have again a fat load of nothing until episode six which i just find very strange that it's like elena that causes some kind of catalyst for them to start talking about stuff because like like i don't know i feel like for me with the will they or won't they ships like either either do or don't like either admit that like you love each other, but you can't be together and that's fine. And we're just going to have to live with it or say, I love you and I'm going to wait for you. Please don't give me scene after scene of saying, I want to be with you, but we can't. Oh, but what if we could? Oh, but we can't because it's just like, give me something more interesting. Like, because what does that do? And then, you know, you have all those moments where he's like, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then he changes his mind anyway with like some prodding from Merlin. Um, and also I, I actually feel like, uh, episode six and episode seven would have worked better if they were flipped because he basically like sacrifices like the good of the kingdom for her by like not marrying Elena, which is a massive like step forward in their relationship. And then episode seven, all he does, I mean, he's like, he still does a really good thing for her by going to rescue her brother. But by comparison, I would say that it's not as big of a step. So if they, if that, if that had come like first, I feel like that would have been a good kind of like, catalyst to then maybe have him make that decision to not marry Elena like afterwards and I mean the the less said about the switch between episode 8 and 10 the better because I still don't know how they thought they could get away with it because it's literally just like do you guys know about that I don't know if you know that episode 10 I I don't remember them well enough oh okay so Queen of Hearts and Eye of the Phoenix were aired as in Phoenix was 8 and Queen of Hearts was 10 but they were written the other way around and narratively they make sense the other way around so it's just so in episode but like even from yeah but so like even from the Arwen point of view in episode um uh 8 you have like well so you have the almost kiss in 7 but then in 8 he just casually kisses her on the lips which from a viewing point of view is like that's very confusing but it's not confusing when you think Queen of Hearts was meant to come first where they've already admitted they love each other and then like and then he gives her a quick peck on the like lips to kind of 
without anyone watching because like you know their lives are kind of depending on it i'm not going to go into queen of hearts because i i just it's not a good idea but i'm just gonna like <laughs> leave it. we're gonna review the episode like a couple of years down the line it's fine but the one thing that well, right <laughs> but the one thing that bothers me is that like you know they like their lives are on the line here like at the end of the episode where like you know he's finally convinced Uther that it was an enchantment and like she like she could be killed or banished and yet they still think it's a good idea to get all touchy-feely <laughs> in a crowded way where anybody could see them <laughs> Just like, he is running he all rationality was thrown out the window the biggest mistake he could have made then was to say no I love this woman who is not a witch so much. I will give up my rights to the throne and run away yeah. with her. Like that is the last thing to tell Uther. That is the yeah. last thing. I love Especially her so much. Uther. She matters more than the kingdom. It's it's like, well, she's definitely a witch. Yeah, it's he's so just bad. in pure panic mode. He is completely. It's so bad. It's so bad. I mean. And season four confuses the hell out of me for numerous reasons, and most of them we've covered with Morgana and where the hell Agravane came from. But more than anything, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, where did she come from? But most of all, it's like their relationship confuses the hell out of me in season four because once again we have a year's gap. They've already like kissed in front of everyone, which like at the end of season three, which kind of happened out of nowhere as well, but that's fine. That's just a given for this show with anything. And then like you have season four where you can't like, because Uther obviously isn't really in the picture and and like he dies three episodes in the whole buildup for their relationship was as soon as we, and I know Arthur's grieving, like I get that he's grieving, but like the whole buildup for them was like, as soon as like I'm King, we can be together. And then, like, when Uther dies, there's no talk of anything moving forward until episode nine. But even before that, like, they're basically the way the writers wrote them was, like, by modern day standards of dating. Like, they're a couple, but they're not married. And in the medieval setting that you have it, it just feels wrong. It feels displaced because you're like, I know that the like, and also I was like, are you really expecting me to believe that in this society, Uther is the only citizen that ever had a problem with Arthur marrying a servant? Apparently everybody else is completely liberal and fine with them showing affection <laughs> in public and nobody has a problem with it. And I'm yeah. just like, that makes no sense. Like, wh- like, what is their relationship status? Because she acts like his wife. But she's not his wife. Like, you know, she has those moments where she acts like quite wifey and stuff. And so I'm just like, and then obviously once they actually have that big argument, like, um, like, uh, with the, with the whole enchantment thing, like obviously things actually, you know, start moving forward and like in a, in a natural progression. But I just feel if they'd have taken a bit more time to make things make sense, like it would have just worked so much better because like, like you guys said, you have, they, what they basically did was they gave them like, their own episodes like scattered throughout the seasons and then a fat load of nothing in between or if they gave them scenes all they were were rehashes of the same stuff like with the scene in tears of uther pendragon part two it's just her saying you should have more faith in yourself i trust you oh thank you sire there's no need to call me that yes there is and it's like (laughs) we've had a whole season of that is there nothing else you wanted to tell me about their relationship like i just think if i was a shipper i would be just so disappointed like that that was all yeah, that we got. yeah. and it's yeah. like 
Yeah. And it's and it's the same things that we said about like Martha with how like so many episodes just felt like, well, hang on. Why do they all of a sudden trust each other here? And then this is happening here. And it's the same for this ship. I mean, I just I'm not as upset because I just don't actually ship it. But like just from someone that enjoys storytelling and things making yeah. sense, I'm just yeah. like, why are they kissing in episode <laughs> As a fan of like, like showing things as they happen in real life. Like, I don't think these writers understand how life works. Like, and yeah, yeah I'm just yeah. like season two for me. Like, I think it was like those were the days when I was just kind of like, I think by season five, like I literally like just stopped caring because like, you know, things were actually kind of making like narrative sense and I could just focus on like shipping the stuff I wanted to ship and just not caring about the stuff I didn't want to ship. But when something that you don't ship makes such little sense as well. It just makes you so mad because you're just like, do it better. It's yeah. so easy to fix. Yeah. Just tweak this and tweak that and don't waste Lancelot for a guest character who should be there <laughs> to help make your ship valid. All it does is it invalidates it. Why yeah. would you do this? I'm just so mad now. <laughs> Because the thing is, is that I know that if they'd have like done these little things, I would have like probably shipped it so much because surprisingly enough, even though like Martha is my OTP, I probably like either mid key or low key ship every other ship in this fandom. Yeah, right. Like, yes. Like, I love, easy. I, I love and Morgana. I love Merlin and Gwen because they they actually had stuff that like happened that made sense and i mean i like i don't know if maybe part of the disservice just was that it just came so late in the show and for no actual reason because obviously they could have interacted a lot earlier like they could have actually had stuff that happened a lot earlier and they just i mean i don't know how you would have done that like in the camelot setting but you know merlin and arthur interact plenty and they're you know their servant they're very established a friendship between them um exactly. yeah it would have been so easy to... it would have been much nicer and I feel like yeah it's just um yeah it's just such a wasted opportunity and I think again I just feel like we but even in the beginning we just didn't I mean I don't know do you guys feel maybe because I'm not a shipper I didn't see it but in that scene in the moment of truth like I really appreciated how she was like you know don't turn your nose up at the food but then she has that moment where she's like oh because I have faith in you oh um I mean we all do which is only mm. a trick we've seen her use on people she has a crush on like we've seen her do it with Merlin and we've seen her do it with Lancelot and when like has she even had a conversation with him up until this point like we've never seen her fancy him so I'm just like why are you doing this just let me earn it like please just let me earn it because otherwise I'm just like like you said Momo oh okay it's just like another it's just another crush but um I mean do you did you guys see anything between them up like up to that point or am I just like kind of blinded no I don't think I don't think I I did. I think that's where I was saying, like, it's nothing. And then they're in love. And then nothing again. Like, it's... I see why Arthur likes her. Mm-hmm. Who does? I, I, I like her. <laughs> but I... Yeah, no, I think at that point, I really didn't ship them in the first season. I really just felt like they were friends. I felt that she was... Um, I didn't see anything between them. I don't think I was even watching them romantically at that point. I was still really... Well, because they didn't have any scenes then. together. Yeah, like, they were truly, I just saw them as becoming friends in that season. That wasn't any shipping for me. 
Um, yeah. And I like, I'm trying to remember because I haven't seen the early seasons as much as I have the later. And it's just where I think where I really started shipping them was Queen of Hearts in season three. Like that is yeah. so late. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree where it's very much, it takes a while. They had, they had, uh, well, seen, a uh, scene together is a bit of a stretch, but like, in uh, Mark of Nimue, when Arthur arrests her for using magic, <laughs> that that is. Let, I mean, talk about hate the literally, yeah. That oh, is so one low. scene, like because I keep thinking about okay, in what scenes were they together? Where they actually interacted in some way? It was yeah, it was Mark of Nimue. After she, when he had to arrest her, it was in Poison Chalice when it was all about saving Merlin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. I think that the her start of I believe in you, we all believe in you wasn't from their individual scenes, but from witnessing him acting out against his father for the right reasons. You know, like um Tristan Dubois when he when he took up his gauntlet to keep his knights from just killing themselves one by one. He said, you know, I'm just gonna fight this guy. Like things you see him kinda episode by episode, especially in the first season, uh, decide to do what he judges to be right. And I think that she's seeing that. She's always there with, with Morgana watching these scenes. She sees him making the right decisions or at least trying to and putting himself out there. And I think that's what she's responding to. Yeah. Like he's, he, he is trying. And that's, I don't know if he just started trying as soon as Merlin got into the show or whether it's been years of watching him struggle with this and yeah. doing what his father says. It could also be, you know, inferred that, you know, her being good friends with Merlin, that maybe Merlin talks about a thing or two where, you know, but that's not, that's not shown. That is just us assuming that that's what's happening off screen. Mm -hmm. Just like we're assuming that maybe in, um, beginning of the end, Morgana maybe told Gwen that Arthur helped save Mordred. I was just about to say that. Yeah, like, what if that had happened? Yeah, like, what if so they had that, scene? That, that is an assumption that we can make, but it's not It's not actually canon. It's just something we assume. And it's uh, that's not a way to, you know, uh, represent your ship when you want to actually yeah. represent it in canon. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of the shipping is, is headcanon and just like, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I and I mean that is a fair, you know, a lot of shipping being headcanons and just subtext and reading into things. But like Gwen and Arthur are supposed to be a canon ship. You need to work harder. Oh, why do you have yeah. Like yes. and it's it's be built, it yeah. have to be subtext. I, and like yes. you guys said that like, you know, and I never even thought about this until you brought it up how much like she gives to the relationship. Like she knows a lot about him, like because we as an audience know a lot about him. But when do they, re- like, even in Queen of Hearts, which, like, I won't go into, but, like, when they have that scene where they're, like, having the picnic and, like, sh- the- and, like, they talk about, like, his dreams. Yeah, they talk about him. Yeah, yeah and, like, yeah. they, like, he doesn't know anything about, like, her life apart from, like, the scene they have where she talks about Elian. And, like, I have this bit here, which I've written down from, um, Lamia, which the less said about that episode, the better. But, like, there's that moment at the very end where, like, um, cause after, like, she kills the monster or whatever, and then, like, they go back to Camelot and they have a scene in their chambers. And, um, he, uh, he says, uh, I thought I knew everything about you, Guinevere, your, 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 your compassion, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. When have you ever had a conversation that would lead me to believe you know anything about her personality? 
Yeah. Like, at all. When have you, like, why would you think that you know these things? Because you've never had that conversation. And then it's I just. I thought like, I knew everything about you. You can I thought I knew everything about you. Oh, I'm sorry for the 30 <laughs> hours you spent with. together collectively. Yeah. Like, like well, that was... 29 of which you spent talking about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I the Insta love. Like, I don't mind, like, I ship Lancelot and Gwen like it's going out of fashion. So I get it. Like, I get that you don't need a lot of screen time to do things. But the difference I feel between some ships and others is like Lancelot and Gwen is not making me believe that these two are going to get married and like have a family and become like partners. They're just making me believe in some like ill-fated love story. Whereas Arthur and Gwen want me to believe in a equal coupling and marriage and quotes like I thought I knew everything about you which you don't <laughs> so don't I, I, I don't even know why why he says that line because the only thing that I can think of in the Lamy episode that she does that's noteworthy is her her perseverance and her being ready to kill Lamia because when Merlin's on the ground and she she has her sword out and says stay away from him and then Arthur stabs Lamia from behind but she was ready to fight her like she was ready yeah. to do this well, but that's already done that in the outdoor. She's already yeah. like, he's like, when did you spear this warrior? Right? Season one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, let me hold that pitchfork, dude. Let me kill this man. Like, and she does. And, and sword, every opportunity in the show, it. she has to physically fight. She takes it. She's even she even tries to, <laughs> tries to sword fight Morgana. She she's never afraid to do what she has to do, and that's not news. Like, like that's... he's seen her fight. He's literally, and she's the one that came up to him saying the women should be allowed to fight. So why <laughs> yes. are you, yes. are you that blinded by everything else in your life that you forget <laughs> even the? You know what? I I I completely, Momo, don't agree with you that Arthur could ever have known about Merlin's magic because he's so stupid. <laughs> you you said that to me before. <laughs> But I feel like I need to reiterate it because literally he even says things that make me worry about his memory capacity. I mean, he gets hit on the head a lot. Okay, give the man a break. (laughs) He's lost a lot of brain cells. I feel like a lot of the qualms too come from the whole um, with the writing side is they're action. It's an action show, and they're trying to write more of the plot stuff. And it's like with um, romance, it doesn't always come across. Because they don't put enough in it because they're more focused on, like, the action. Mm. Yeah. There's, um, there's so many elements do... and they just didn't balance it very well. There's They have humor, yeah. they have action, they have betrayal, drama, romance, and it's like, dude, if you're going to do like, much, you know how to do it. They bounce off each other. And sometimes they work, and a lot of times they just fall flat because they're trying to juggle too many balls. Yeah. yeah. It's not show. a blend, it's a trade-off. It's like, this is a funny episode, this is a depressing episode, this is a scary episode, this is another funny episode. They're not... Yeah. It's not a blend. It's it's like we have ten different versions of Arthur, and let's see which one we get this episode. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like the epitome of Merlin. Is just like how many different things we can shove together in one show, and it's fun and it's nice for a family show. But they could have they could have done better. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like for shipping, it's it, it, it's like what I feel like us as shippers enjoy what is like sometimes less is more, and I feel like with with all these other ships they try to cram down our throats in this show like we we get well either we don't get as many scenes like uh like uh, with the het ships like Lancelot and Gwen or Merlin and Gwen or Arthur and Morgana or even Merlin and Morgana we don't get as many scenes and even like Merlin and Morgana which I think like 
so usually what I've observed in the fandom or maybe at least as like a vidder is that you you tend to ship things in in pairs like as in like pairs of ships so people that ship Martha will usually my my I know this isn't you will usually gravitate towards Lancelot and Gwen because it's the other available characters and people that ship Arwen usually used to gravitate to Merlin and Morgana but if you compare even those two ships like Merlin and Morgana have like a lot of shippable things even though I like I don't ship them for my own reasons just because of like certain things but like like you do like have shippable moments but they're so like low-key and like i think the only ship that kind of ever gets like melodramatic like is is like mertha and like the bigger Gaius moment. And but, like, sorry yeah oh, yeah for sure <laughs> but like i feel like because but because they're both guys i feel like they kind of do that whole thing where it's like oh well guys can't express their feelings to each other properly so they're so even their scenes are a bit more like what isn't said whereas with arthur and gwen like i actually rewatched a scene uh earlier because i was trying to make a make a gif of something and i like accidentally scrolled past it and it's the scene where um uh, uh he's about to go and fight the Doroka. and i mean look this is all down to direction as well like these actors aren't allowed to just like roam free and do what they want but yeah. like he's like oh i'm oh i need to go and like fight this and i might die or whatever and an angel is like um please arthur take care and i'm like oh, <laughs> angel, please you can say it less like that please <laughs> like, so many of their scenes are very extra yeah. and i'm like but mm-hmm. but but the dialogue they're given doesn't help them but like angel act her ass off in this show like she really does <laughs> she, she, she was does really, such a yeah, great job it's great because like yeah. Gwen is not a damsel in distress but a lot of her lines treat her like she is it contradicts yeah. it kind of interestingly floaty <laughs> he's like i don't yeah. want a queen who will just float around the castle and it's like well yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where she is right now <laughs> she'll show up in a few episodes but i think she's floating around the castle because she doesn't exist <laughs> right now <laughs> where she like comes in just to like approve merlin's cross-dressing habits like that is <laughs> and it's right. weird, like they do like when when uther is is um, very ill. She's his caretaker. She's the one who's always there. You know, like she's taken that role to be there for Arthur. But, and I have to appreciate that they do those things. I just want it through everything. It's like she's only there in the background doing something, and they they act like that is um, relationship development, and it's just not enough for me. It's like, well, that's great that she did that, but can we talk about that she did that? <laughs> oh God. How about how about we talk about things that we like about the ship? Yeah, we can let our guests run riot with this one. (laughs) So to come back to what Ella answered in the interview, I'm going to read it out. There is so much that I love about Arwen that it's hard to put it into words, but I will try. The first thing I love about them is that at the beginning, Gwen isn't really interested in Arthur at all because she thinks he's basically, as Merlin would say, a prat. Then, slowly and through Merlin coming to Camelot, she sees a different side to him. And he becomes a beacon of hope for her after his father has her father murdered. The second thing I love is how Gwen isn't afraid to tell Arthur the truth, and instead of reacting like he does when others do the same, he accepts it. And that is a really great thing, because it shows that he truly values and respects what Gwen says. Thirdly, I just love the chemistry between the two of them, and how due to their stations it's forbidden. So it was great to watch how they would overcome the barriers to get together, because we know that they get married. Basically, I love everything about them, their interactions, disagreements, hugs, kisses, everything. Yeah. 
I know I know Rox doesn't really have anything she likes about the ship. <laughs> so I like Gwen and I like Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> <It's individual. laughs> I like I that. <laughs> they have gorgeously shot scenes. They really do. They have gorgeously okay. shot scenes. Yeah. I mean what I, I, I like, like I, I like them in, in season five when they're when they're married. And I mean yeah, you're right, Geeky, that you know, they don't really get to have relationship y moments. That most of their moments are like just talking to each other about what is best for the kingdom. Or then, you know, when then Gwen is uh brainwashed into trying to kill Arthur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what May likes the most. <laughs> Well. <laughs> but but I right. but I actually really like the the part where they talk about the kingdom and how best to rule and govern it because it um it this is the first time where it feels to me like they're really equals in their roles and where it shows that when despite coming from a really different background really is proving herself to be a good queen even though she hasn't had that kind of uh, political or diplomatic training and she still manages to make good and wise decisions and counsel Arthur and Arthur actively seeks her counsel and, and asks her for advice or you know it just it feels more equal to me not just because they're now married and she's been crowned queen so her, sta uh, her station got elevated it just it feels to me like they are actually more on the on the same page as a couple as well so you know and he, i feel like i mean i might be i might be misremembering because i don't usually watch merlin with an eye for arwen and you guys mentioned a couple of like affectionate like physically affectionate uh moments between them in previous seasons but i feel like in season five they actually get to be like physically affectionate with each other they, they hug so much yeah without having to worry about getting killed she sits in his lap like wait no that was a fanfic i read like i think one of the scenes that i actually really like is one when Gwen is brainwashed where arthur like carries her to bed and just just throws her on it and it's basically implied yes. that they're gonna shag now and I'm just like <laughs> but I think that's when Gwen is brainwashed actually so it doesn't probably count <laughs> alright May what, what do you like about the ship a lot <laughs> I, good like I'm still not recognizing the voices awesome but one of you said um that they're both great like you love Gwen you love Arthur and then you just you put them together and it's beautiful they they just I love I love whenever they team up to do something or when they have the same goal. Just they're they're so they're so brave and they're so um caring and they're just a beautiful royal power couple. <laughs> um, Literally. Um, I just and then the forbidden love, the true love. We've already said a lot of this through our <laughs> through what already has um been said. But really, when I what I just absolutely love so much is when you do see her being queen, and and I know that that isn't specifically Arthur and Gwen, but it feels like it is somehow. Like every time that she's sitting on that throne making queen decisions, I'm like, yes, I ship them so much. <laughs> um, 
and it it, it kind of gets into where more I get to have more of my fan headcanon, which is I think that she's really involved in running the kingdom Camelot itself, like the interactions with the people and the citizens, and he's more involved in the political um, movements with other kingdoms. And obviously, like, he's very involved in his own kingdom as well, but so much of when she gives Arthur advice, it's about his people, and it's when she stands up to Agravain in, I think, season four, um, about, about, including all the people in the safety of the kingdom and the city. Like that's, that's what she knows. And that's what Arthur specifically pointed out, marrying her that the people would appreciate. He was saying that the people want a queen who will, will care for them and who will speak out to Arthur. And, and I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my words again. <laughs> but I even have it written down here, but I can't speak. Um, I just, I lost all my words. I like it when they're a power couple. I like when they're in the very end of the show at the battle, as realist, unrealistic and stupid it is to have both your king and your queen out there in the front line. It was so beautiful. <laughs> they're so genuinely united in their care for the kingdom and their dedication to it. To have him literally in the very front line leading the battle and her in the nursing tent fighting when she needs to, when the when those two guys jump in and she actually kills him and continue sealing immediately they're so united in their dedication to the kingdom and I love it. And I want to have more of their being united in their dedication to each other. And I would have really appreciated seeing some training her to be queen. Like some of the actual, like you were saying, um, political movements and, and uh, arrangements of being royalty. Like we never see her learn how to be a queen, which Thank had you. <laughs> that would like have even been so interesting (laughs) it would have been really cool like because we watch arthur learn and grow and did it on meetings and we just gwen's just gwen woke up like this i mean queen like i have no doubt she should be a fantastic queen with her personality and her ambitions and her cares but she needs knowledge she needs to know how things work and i would have really enjoyed to see her learn that and even hit has that it one she, line where she's like oh i found it difficult at first too i'm like really that would have been a really nice season <laughs> yeah. i mean you have this you have this three-year gap between the end of season four and the beginning of season five so you know it is with basically everything that happens in season five it's implied that it's happened between those three seasons like let me not get started on Morgana again because that is not this. It's, it's <laughs> not so this boring. episode. But like, um, with everything that happens in season five, it happened like it, the the groundwork was laid in the gap between season four and season five, and it's just so disappointing that that wasn't actually shown. Like that would have been like Rock said, it would have been a really good season to see Gwen grow as a queen. To see the whole arc with Morgana being trapped by the Sarum and, and you know, raising uh, baby dragon Ithusa by herself and protecting her by herself. And all of these things and, like, other things as well. You could have gone with so many things. But no, that's not, that's not what they went for. That's, that's literally not what happened. That is what we have to make up with fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. why fan makes sense. And every 
everything else I love about them has already been covered. You know, we've talked about that through what we didn't like about them. Um, so that's the end of mine. <laughs> so what about you, Kiki? Um, yeah, I like more of, I don't know, <laughs> season three and four-ish, where especially when Uther, or Arthur stands up to Uther and about her and is like, she's the one that I want to marry because I'm a sucker for fluff and I feel like that yeah, yeah that's where the most most fluff happens and maybe that's why I disliked their relationship in season five because it's more like mature and um like yeah <laughs> I pretty much talked about it a little earlier but I just enjoy watching them together really and seeing them like slowly fall in love and whether or not it was written well they do um in my they opinion. do you get to imagine it you get to yeah. see it in your head yeah in my opinion and like um it's just a pleasant thing <laughs> there's that okay there's a scene in like the last or second to last episode of the last episode where gwen i think it's the last where arthur's missing and I think Leon comes into the healing tent and tells Gwen they can't find him. Yeah. Oh, that is really yeah. yeah, that's sad. And she has a real like it's a reaction like kudos to Angel for that scene because mm-hmm. I can imagine that's how the a wife would react to like not being sure where their husband is after a war, where she's just yeah. like try not to cry but she has to be strong oh. because she's got to help these people. And then she has to go back to feeling like she can't cry. She like just turns away. And she won't allow herself to cry either. Like she wipes her tears and she's like, no, I don't know he's dead kind of thing. And like, it just, it gave me goosebumps and it's going to make me cry now. Like just how much like they care for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that is you like whatever we say about the writers and how they didn't handle their relationship off of me. I love how Angel and Bradley did. I yeah. I love what they put into it. I, I see so much love in these characters for each other. They uh, took what they had in Ryan. Yeah, I think they both did a really great job. Yeah. And their hugs. I will say they're... they're, they're <laughs> they are so thing. like... I love them so much more than the kisses. And I know that's something a lot of people will disagree with. But when they hold each other, it's just like the world is... Yeah. <laughs> They're the only thing that matters. Um, and there's just like this hand rub thing that um, Gwen does on the back of Arthur's neck when they hug a lot. And you're like, oh, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Aww. It's kind of weird. But <laughs> it's kind of weird. No, it's <laughs> no those, are, those are sweet tender Romans. I, I, I can see why you appreciate them. I would too. If it were my ship. All right, and with that, we're going to conclude the first part of this Arwen episode. We did anticipate that this is going to be another long one, partly because we do have guests and it's always great to get more people in on the conversation. But that also means that, you know, there's a lot of talking. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to stop here and come back with a second part next week in which we will go more into the fandom side of things and share our favorite moments, episode scenes, and then also do, you know, the usual fandom statistics that I like so much. So for tonight, and it is really early in the morning, a big shout out again to our 
guests who stayed up late into the night and well into the early hours of the morning, Geeky Zelda and May. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> and who will hopefully be able to come back next week when we provide you with the second episode of this ship. So for now, it's all of us saying goodbye. I'm Omotastic. I'm Miss Snowfox. And our guests were... Geeky Zelda. And me. Alright guys, we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!